are people who are spending their life figuring out what metals to use to build strings, etc. The watch business and the musical instrument business is driven by people with an enormous passion. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of our podcast Partners in Time and today is a special one. We are literally back from Geneva, from Watches and Wonders and we had a fantastic experience making music, creating music to underlie the sound of Top Gun and that all culminating in a beautiful evening of a live concert that is memories, memories to remember for a long, long, long time. And I'm really, really overjoyed to be joined today by no other than Hans Zimmer in the middle of his European arena tour. Hans, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How are you doing? I am really tired, but we're doing really well. We, I, I wouldn't be really tired if we weren't doing well. Um, we played Paris last night and I can honestly say it was wonderful. It was, it was really, truly wonderful. And how how different is that? Because th th there's not so many composers who are playing big arenas like that. It's quite unique. Well, there's nobody who does it the way I do it because I don't show a single footage of film. I don't have a conductor. I mean, I, I had this whole idea that the music needs to be able to stand on its own two feet. I have a terrible fear, and this is this is something you must share in your own way, a fear that what we do, which is Handarbeit, you know, it's, it's, it's made by hand. It's people showing you their, their art and their craft. You know, an orchestra is a very, very expensive and very luxurious hobby. You know, it's people who have spent their whole life learning their craft and learning their art. And suddenly somebody goes, oh, well, we just can't afford that anymore. You know, they can do it so well digitally. So one of the things I thought about a lot is how can you make the orchestra relevant. I mean, the orchestra is relevant, but how can you make people realize the relevancy of it? And you can always take the word orchestra and substitute it with watches, for instance, whereby the craftsmanship, the, the, the amount of ingenuity, imagination, and humanity that goes into manufacturing a concert, into to writing a piece of music that combines the talents of so many truly wonderful craftsmen, artists, musicians, imagineers, you know, people with an incredible imagination and an incredible dedication and commitment to doing something excellent and giving it, you know, sending it out into the world and giving it to people for people to have more than just, oh, this is the time, but to to realize that, that time is a vital part of our culture and that art and aesthetic is a vital part of our culture and that we need to go and, 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 and push that forward. Mm. So one of the things I changed is, for instance, it's a very simple one, where I'm combining technology and humanity. I got rid of the conductor. Because unless you have a really great conductor, you just have a guy standing with his back to you all night long. And that's a bit boring. And I can understand why people don't want to see that. You know, and they see people in, 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 in black suits, you know, reading the paper. 
You know, it's like it's like it's like a bad wedding on a Sunday morning or something like that. So, or, or funereal, if you want. So, so I've adjusted the orchestra a little bit. I've adjusted, you know. Plus, I surround myself with extraordinary musicians. Mm. No, absolutely, uh, and it's it's amazing that word imagineering is one word I would have loved to have invented had Disney not done it a while ago. Because I know they stole it from us perfectly. I know. I oh, know is it I your know. word? Is it? It's a fabulous word, you know. I mean, yes, we all wished we had it. I know. This is a brilliant one, especially when you're the engineers in fine watchmaking and you want to bring the idea of design and imagination into it. There's no better word than that, but we can't have it. But it describes very, very well what this borderline between engineering and art is doing, uh, because it is all about telling a story through something that is at the beginning, highly functional, that is an instrument, that is something that is supposed to transmit functionality, but at the same time, you have a great deal of emotion in it, you have story in it, you have memories in it. And when you describe an orchestra, I see something very similar, because there's a lot of individual parts, and everybody has to play their part perfectly, in a sense, in the machine, but there's an individuality, there's an edge, there's a variation in it, there's personality that comes through, and when I see how you navigate the stage without a conductor and bringing these individual characters to life, I, you know, that is the magical point where it goes from just choreographed music to something with a personality. Well, there's, there's another thing which is very similar to watchmaking, and that is all musical instruments are technology. You know, they're technology of their time. But what I, what I think is extraordinary, for instance, the violinist plays a very high note the quarter of a millimeter to the left or to the right makes the difference between an in-tune note and a dreadful out-of-tune note. So the finesse, the way that things are so small and so precise and have to be, you know, that you you literally, you know, you must have it under your fingers. You know, it's, to me, it doesn't sound that different from a watch design, the you know, the the refinements, that you're constantly talking about refinements. Absolutely. You're, you're constantly talking about refinements in the materials as well. I mean, um, every, everybody would love to find that word that um, Stradivari used. Um, there are people who are spending their life figuring out what metals to use to build strings, etc. So the watch business and the... Uh, musical instrument business is driven by people with an enormous passion. And I think partly what happens with the end customer is that the end customer in a concert or by putting a watch on their hand or whatever it is, you know, they feel that they are, they are now part, they, they close that circle of, of passion and, and imagination. And I remember years and years ago reading an article by an old microphone builder from East Germany. I mean, the best microphones are uh, German Neumann microphones. Uh, the firm released that in East Germany, or what became East Germany. And he was asked why people would still buy old ones as opposed to new ones. And he was talking about how they would uh, how they would machine by hand the metal body, you know, how they would carve out the aluminium shell, etc. How they would gold plate the you know the, the capsule, etc. And and he said 
Do you think all that life that we spend building this thing just goes into the air? It goes in, into the thing that we make. It is there. Our life lives in these things. And I think the same goes, goes for what you do, whereby the life of your craftsmen, your artisans, and your artists is in there. It, is, it, 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 it doesn't evaporate into the air. It is in every and each single component. Yeah, and it's something that fascinates people who are looking at watch manufacturing, that on the one hand, you have this part manufacturing, which is CNC to the millionth of a millimeter. But then you have things like the hairspring, where when the hairspring is regulated, it actually is a human hand that bends the end of the hairspring freehand to what it needs to be to perform perfectly. And then it's regulated by hand, 15 years of experience necessary to actually put that hairspring in. And there is nothing machine controlled about it. And at the end of the day, the beat of every single mechanical watch is completely individual. There are no two watches that are exactly the like, even though they all have the same constituent parts. You know, it's like um, I always get slightly annoyed with when, when lawyers and doctors tell us how long they went to university and how long they studied, studied etc. And I look at all my musicians and I'm going, well, this one started at three. This one was practicing eight hours a day from the uh, from the age of four on. This one was homeschooled because school was taking away from his practice time. And it's just, it's just they don't make too much noise about it. You know, they they they, yeah. they don't brag about it. It's just, it just is. No, that's that's absolutely true. But I think that's also on the receiving end of customers of listeners of people who experience your music, I think you feel the difference. You feel the difference of something that is actually put together by hand with passion, with craftsmanship. I have never seen reactions like we've had last week to any performance event, anything we've ever done. Now, this is absolutely because it connects with people. And people from the first note, they are completely drawn into the performance. And it's a very, very human element. It's not just because it's big sound and melodies that people identify with, but they see the human touch in there, and that's that's magical. Well, that you know, that's the important. It's the unspoken language that connects us the most somehow. It is where word fails us, music suddenly becomes uh, important. Time for you is incredibly tight. I can only imagine. How do you, I mean, if you commit to a tour like this, that's a major multi-month plus a planning, choreography, everything. That's a huge undertaking. How do you balance this off between your work, the, the music, family time, everything else, and, and committing to such a program where time is of the absolute essence, essence all the time? No, I don't. I don't. I don't balance it at all. I, I go... Uh, my friends have actually told me, you know, it's time. You need to go. You need to look people in the eye. You can't hide behind the screen. Real time is important. You know, communicate with your audience. You know, let them know you. Let them know your faults. Let them know your your wrong notes. Let them know you're human. So that was important. And, it, you know, I'm 64 years old now. How How much longer can I do this? I can write music forever. But to stand on stage is, is really, I'm tired. Let me tell you, I am tired today. 
can I can totally appreciate that and thank you for still coming on the podcast. I, I was actually asking about you. I said, "Are we actually doing this?" They're in Paris. <laughs> yeah, no, we are in Paris. It's a big thing. See, nobody believed that it could be done. The first time we came to Paris, um, we played a really small, really shitty place because the promoter just didn't think anybody would want to go to and, and hear film music. And I think we sold out in an hour, and we had to do two shows in one day, and that nearly killed us, yes. you know? Um, I mean, that was hard. So now we are we are doing three shows in three days, um, which is a little bit better. Um, the problem is we are in Paris, and everybody, of course, as, uh, in the band is out running around Paris. I can imagine. And trust me, it's not just the Louvre. Than Geneva. No, it's not, not just not just the Louvre for sure. But look, one of the things that always fascinates me is the the enormous breadth and width of sounds of culture of imagery you bring to your music. And there are there are really these very conscious juxtapositions of Western electronic music synthesizer. There's all the ethnic sounds from around the world that come together beautifully to tell a really unique story for so many of your different works. Is this travel inspiration? Is it listening? Is it meeting musics? Is it, where do, what, where do you find it? I don't know. It's chats. It's meeting musicians. It's, it's, oh, that sounds interesting. You know, oh, I can say this with this. You know, I mean, I've never had a record deal. Because the problem with the record deal is, you, if you have a, I've, I have had a hit, and the and and saying to the record company at the time, okay, what do you want us to do next? They said, well, can you do the same thing again? Make and, three more. And I didn't want to do the same thing again. So it's it's like you know, um, I mean, if you look at the films with Ridley Scott, you know, Thurman Louise is nothing like Gladiator. It's nothing like Hannibal. It's nothing like Black Hawk Down. It's nothing like Matchstick Man. It's nothing like you know. So so even filmmakers, I mean, filmmakers get bored within. You know, we we don't always want to tell the same story. Culturally, there is so much out there that you can draw upon, you know. Um, I'm not talking about cultural imperialism where you just steal it. But, you know, um, asking Baba Mal to come in on, 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 on Black Hawk Down, you know, from Mali, um, and us not speaking the same language, but us absolutely speaking the same language when we make music together. You know, yeah. or, or Jivan Gasparian. I mean, for two weeks on Gladiator, it was always, hello, good night. That was our conversation. Uh, but we played for two weeks all day long, all day long, you know, and it was great. Yeah, that's we amazing. didn't need I, to say anything else. That's true. And, and Black Hawk Down is so powerful. I think the way that that's, the images, they only come to life because, because of the music and because of the sound that that carries the atmosphere like nothing else. And it's something I noticed in the concert as well. You are a master of creating these curves, the tension where it goes from a plateau to plateau. There's huge highlight. It calms all the way down again, but it takes you along. And, and that is incredible how you carry people through these moments of stillness that are as powerful as the big moments in Pirates and Lion King, where everybody obviously is up on their feet. I always think it's like, you know, like the music is like a river. 
and you're in a little boat. You know, and sometimes it gets a little exciting and the boat might actually tip over. But sometimes you just get to these bits which are just nice and you see a couple of fish jumping and the sun is shining and, you know, and maybe it's a little bit boring even, but it's quite nice to be a little bit boring occasionally as well. You know, and then it gets exciting again. But you can trust the river. It will take you to somewhere. It will be a journey. Yeah, and somehow you're not losing the audience through those bits. It's not like there are pauses for recovery and then you go again. You actually build a curve that carries people through, which is which is the in, the interesting part. I haven't seen that like that before. You know, I don't think about it so much. I just do it. You know, it's and just in my it. nature to, to do these. <laughs> you know, and then we can go there and you know, I mean, most of my pieces are. You know, I find an ending, gives me an idea for, oh, but we could go over there. Oh, mm. we could go up here. You know, oh, we haven't tried this bit yet. You know, so the piece is maybe a minute long. And then by the end of it, it's 20 minutes long because I had, I've had all these other ideas that, that suddenly come into play. But I can only assume you're creatively, you're probably a bit of a night owl as well. Like most people, I, I guess that's, that's how we work. But are you somebody, are you finding inspiration in your studio or do you find inspiration and then you sit down and you craft it? It's, it's, it's all in my head. I don't touch the keyboard until I know what I want to do. I need to go and have an intellectually sound plan before I can put an emotional blanket around it. And otherwise, otherwise I repeat myself. I repeat myself enough as it is. You know, we all repeat ourselves because we all are a little bit unsatisfied with whatever the last thing is we did. You know, and we're still tinkering. You know, there's always a little bit of tinkering. It could be a little bit better, you know. Yeah, and I'm often find myself I'm the grumpiest just after the big event because you're constantly thinking in your head, I should have done this, I should have done that, I could have done this a little bit, didn't I check that? It's always that. That's true. But let's talk a little bit about our um uh, little collaboration on the on the sound of color. Um, where we spoke about the inspiration of bringing together a complete concept around this idea of our colored ceramic watches. Starting off with the fact that we wanted to take the inspiration that came really from pilots and naval aviation and the environment of Top Gun, but actually take that into a mood that people can identify with. I think today this this watch to many people doesn't represent just pilot training and naval aviation, but it actually represents this kind of idea of a competitive mindset of work hard, play hard. There's a lot of that in that, this friendly competition, trying to be the best, focusing, and then also letting go and having a bloody good time with it in the end, I think. But well, yes, plus, plus I think there's, an, there's, an, there's a large element of elegance involved, which you don't actually get if you're on an aircraft carrier and the smell True. of... Of, of the uh, the burning oil and the rubber and the uh, and the the incredible noise that you know those planes make so partly what what, what we do of course is, is is just like in the movie we're creating an image an uh, you know an imagined something or the other a, a superlative of what it really is like you know it's hard it's dangerous it's um noisy it's brutal it's um uh, you know just the discipline just the discipline is, is is really extraordinary 
you really have to be somebody extraordinary who can who can get through a top gun program and i'm not saying we're giving people the ability to go through a top gun program but we are reminding them that there is excellence everything everything to do with it is excellence and everything that we do with the colors i think points you in you know what is this excellence about this is this is our connection as humans to the earth to the world you know so when you do when you know we you and I spoke about it lake tahoe lake tahoe looks very different than the tegernsee for instance or zurichsee uh, you know or any of the other lakes yeah, there is a there's a there's a light um there's this there's, there's this color scheme to me um the trees look darker and the ground looks brighter um and it can only be america it cannot be anywhere else so you know where this became very apparent recently you know the austrian company of kesbora pistenbully yeah, sure. make the <laughs> so they launched their new 400 model and i switched on the youtube video and you could see this was clearly not austria so they were in a ski resort but you could see immediately it wasn't in their home area so it turns out they were doing this whole thing from lake tahoe <laughs> and you can and you see it immediately you say this is not the alps yeah it's completely different profile absolutely but i think you touched on something important because the this element of elegance and tradition and pride is something we feel more in Top Gun than any other part of the U.S. Navy. It's really when you go to Fallon, you, you feel that there is a refinement in the roughness. There really is. And and there, you starts from the cars outside to the way that uh, Fallon is furnished, the attention to detail in all the little trophies and squadron references, the uh, particularity in the, in, the, in the flight suits, the T-shirts, the color matching, etc. Nothing is left to chance. It's it's a complete story of tradition, pride, performance, precision, all of that. But I think pride is important. You know, be the best that you can be. And that's not such a bad motto. I don't care if it's army, navy, whatever it is. Just be the best at what you be the best that you can possibly be. I think that's really important to 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 remind yourself of that. To maybe get up with that little motto in the morning. You know, ah, oh, shit, I'm just going to get through the day. Isn't good enough. Definitely not. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was the pep message of the day from Stan Sim himself. <laughs> Getting the message from a two, two Academy Award winning composer who is in Paris feeling tired. Get your ass out of bed. Be the best you can be. We're in the spirit of Top Gun now. <laughs> <laughs> and of course it's the landscapes you know i think what really inspired me was these landscapes because it's very easy to go simply on the aviation part but the aviation half of it is where it happens and how it happens and that's what makes it cinematic but it also what gives it its unique feel which again like you say is very different from tigansy totally <laughs> And you have a vastness and a richness and complexity in the landscape that translates into the mood. And I think that's a tried what we that's what we try to capture through the music, through the images, through the watches and, and all the rest of it. A richness in complexity and finishing that gives you a strong overall mood. And I think people felt that from the collection and they definitely felt that from the music. Yes, well what I really like which I'm very impressed by, and and um, 
emotionally sort of impressed by it. Sounds strange. Um, you're constant experimenting with different materials and different ways of combining materials and different ways of, you know, you have an idea about colors, but how do you get those colors? How do you actually make it something that is usable? Advancing technologies on many different fronts, um, you know, with ceramics and titanium and and colors and, and platinum and, and what, what whatever else minerals and metals you're using. I think that is a really interesting way forward. And I mean, you, you think about it, I mean, a hundred years ago, I don't think that is something this watchmaker would have thought about. So there's a philosophy attached that is constantly driving everything forward. And I think that's really, yeah. really important. And I think you, you hinted towards it with this whole idea of be the best you can be. You know, we are in an industry that's been functionally disrupted in a sense because today from smartwatches to phones to everywhere around us every electronic device shows us an extremely precise time so the idea that watchmaking is simply there for the most precise time display has been disrupted ever since the invention of quartz in the 1970s and since then there was a new spirit of innovation. There was this spirit of just taking every single element of a craft to the next level and not for the simple reason of functionality and survivability, but it is really about finding that joy, finding the, the, the art in it and finding something that has the power to inspire. But and, what, uh, what you're talking about is you're talking about in the literal sense of the word, you're talking about a, uh, you are on a philosophical journey. And while we used to have Wittgenstein and Hume and Locke and whatever, that helped us to find our place in the world. It's not a smartwatch necessarily that helps us to find a place in the world. It finds it helps us find a place in, in the world in time and geographically, etc. But it doesn't do it in a spiritual way. And I think... The um, the beauty and the experimentation and imagination that goes into building an, a beautiful uh, uh, art object is the same as writing a beautiful novel or asking a profound question constantly. And if you, as a human being, are prepared to have a profound question asked of, asked of you, if you're prepared to be that human being, who will live his life in not in a status quo? Then, then, then a watch actually makes sense like that, as opposed to just a utilitarian system. Yeah. You know, hey, I'm just using my iPhone to do photos and and and, and look at the time. And there is, of course, a little story that connects that beautiful with our two stories, and that is the story of VDO, which I want to share with our listeners quickly. We've talked about it briefly, but yeah, exactly. Frau Linsenhoff, uh, they used to own IWC back in the day when, as it turns out, that both you and I took riding lessons in their little equestrian setup next to the VDO tower in Eschborn. Uh, Schwalbach, that is. I think, yeah. So VDO was an instrument company. 
making functional instrument for car dashboards and so on, a German engineering company who happened to own a couple of specialist companies, including IWC Schaffhausen. And I think uh, Frau Linsenhoff was challenged various times by her board of directors to say, why do we have a minuscule tiny watch company on the Swiss-German border? And there was something in that philosophical journey that said, no, it, I enjoy this. I, this, is, this is art. This is beautiful. We will maintain it. We'll keep sending the occasional check, which I think probably is the reason why we're here today still, you know, obviously not depending on those checks anymore. But that was probably what led to the survival of IWC through this turbulent period, because somebody recognized that there was something more to it than just showing and telling the time. And that is the... The savior that is VDO out of that, they hired Günther Blümlein, who came from Junghans, and we talked about Braun and people like that. I mean, Günther Blümlein was exactly one of those people. He was referring to himself as a simple systems engineer when, in fact, he saw the whole picture. He could write marketing copies. He understood design. Two of our most iconic designs today, he drew on a napkin, you know, when he was supposedly just a manager, as it were, you know, and And it's those characters, I think, that saw where this was headed that made sure that we existed, continue to exist, and that this philosophical journey <laughs> goes on today. If you make something, you know, it's, it's the old thing. If, if, if you make it, they will come. But they are very specific. You have your group of people who love what you do, and you have another group who loves something else, etc. And somehow, it, again, it connects us. You know, oh, he has one of those watches. Oh, he's, we have, we have the beginning of a conversation just because of that. You know, we have, we have totems and symbolism and we have all sorts of philosophical ways of, of communicating that, that get us from one place to the other. Yeah, absolutely. And just also let me take the opportunity to uh, congratulate you again on the second Academy Award for Dune. That's amazing. Dune, this story of beautiful desert story tying into what we were doing at the time. You know, I remember we immediately thought we have to engrave a watch for you and make sure there's a memory on a sand colored watch on, on, on that Dune one. And, and that success that came a couple of weeks ago is so well deserved. But if you think about it, That uh, legendary pictures, the, the the film company that made it, that the um, head of the company, out of his own steam or whatever you want to call it, out of his own desire, went out and bought IWC watches and had them engraved for Dune as well, because for him there was a way there was there, there was an, an inextricably strong connection between your watches and the movie we were making. And that that I don't I believe there was no conversation between you and him. No, there wasn't. No, no, I do know that he's a you know he's a good friend of ours uh, in in Los Angeles. But no, there was no conversation at all. You told me that for the first time. I didn't know. So 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 that that there was an um, a subconscious connection always always there. Must have been. Must have been. I'm lucky to have met you originally in 2019, and thank you so much for the collaboration so far, which I can only hope will continue. I will let you get some rest before your big. Oh no, no, we got tonight. another 20 interviews, and then we have a. I don't know. Some sleep will hopefully happen. 
will happen sometime. But thank you so much for making time for us. Wish You're you very lots welcome. Lots and lots of success on your tour. Lots of energy and good timekeeping on your wrist at all times. Thank you. Can't wait to see you next week. In Munich. Be well. Thank you. All the best. Thank you. Well, dear listeners, that was our conversation with Hans Zimmer, the legendary movie composer who's taken time out of his busy schedule with his European Arena Tour coming live to us from Paris to talk about music and inspiration and what it means to put your heart and soul into the creative process. Now, Hans, as I'm sure most of you will know, has touched many, many lives by composing over 150 movie soundtracks from legendary films such as A Lion King, A Gladiator, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Dark Knight trilogy, Thin Red Line, uh, Rush, uh, Black Hawk Down, The Rock, the list is absolutely endless. And now with Dune, with that unique desert-themed movie with a unique soundscape, just won him his second Academy Award after uh, The Lion King. Now, make sure you stay tuned for the next episode. Uh, looking forward to coming back to you in just a couple of weeks' time. In the meantime, uh, listen up on the music. Discover all of our latest Top Gun collection by going to iwc.com on the app or our social media channels. Stay safe, be healthy, speak to you all very soon. 